Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource. And joining me is Kiva Algood. She's the CEO of Sarcos Technology and Robotics. Good morning, Kiva. Good morning. How are you today? Good. So Kiva, so those that aren't familiar with uh, Sarcos Technology and Robotics, can you just give them a quick overview of the company? Happy to. Um, I say often I have the coolest and best job in the world. So Sarcos is um, a robotics company. We really have three products. The first part of our product portfolio are teleoperated robots. So think about the ability for um, human dexterity at heights. Our mission is to provide productivity and increase safety through robotics. So think about jobs where you've got a person in a basket that's 20, 30 feet high. They're welding. They're spray painting. They're cleaning. Uh, they're cutting debris around live power lines. There's no reason a human should be doing those tasks at height. Uh, a robot can do them and be teleoperated from the ground or from safety from afar. That's our first um, product group. We also have um, a subsea product there. It's also teleoperated, but it goes, you know, um, think about inspecting around ships, think about inspecting around ports, anything where right we send a diver in today, we have the ability to provide that same human-like capability with our subsea class products. Then we have uh, an exoskeleton, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it gives you know, human-like um, um, dexterity, but you know, machine-like power. So I'm five foot two, maybe I could lift 30 pounds, um, but I couldn't do that in a repeated fashion. If I was in the Guardian um, Exo, that's our exoskeleton, I would be able to you know, lift, up, lift up over 100 pounds and be able to perform that task over and over again. So really you know, improving my ability to perform tasks, but also protecting my joint things from those tasks as well. And then our last group of products is um, a software product. So really focused on providing what we call supervised economy and task economy. So the example I gave where you've got the ability to have a robot working at heights doing a task, you can train it how to do that task and then hit repeat, and they will just repeat that task. So now one person could be managing a fleet of robots, and you know, really we think of ourselves as the workforce of the future. And so the software is a separate distinct product, or it, it's included when you buy one of the other robotic units? Great question. So unlike some, some others, um, we don't just sell robotic arms. We sell robotic systems, uh, and that's our key differentiator. That's actually the biggest pool we have from a lot of customers. People have tried to go and buy a robotic arm and then hire, hire a system integrator and try and get the software, and then they have to maintain the software, and things just have, don't work. You end up spending millions of dollars in the end, and you don't get the outcome that you like. That's our sweet spot. That's where we really... Um, we really truly believe that our robotic systems, which include a human manipulator that's a one-arm, two-arm piece of high human-like dexterity, and then the software capability to perform those tasks. So um, yes, the robots come with some software that allows you to, to do the teleoperation, but then we also have the ability to you know, up, upsell and um, provide additional software that would provide task autonomy. Um, and what I mean by that is exactly what it sounds like, the ability to repeat and perform a task over and over again. Okay. And so you're in a few different areas. If you add them all up, uh, how big is your addressable market? It's in the billions. 
Um, and what we try to do, uh, in part, because the pain point that we're solving for a lot of our, our customers and our partners is labor shortage. So there just aren't enough people. Um, and or they have one of our, an arborist, for example, um, that that's the person who removes debris around a live power line. Highly risky job. People die every single year. But it's also the average age is around 55. It's a very skilled task. It takes around four years to learn how to do that. Um, and they're not getting a lot of volunteers. So they're having a really difficult time. They have more work than, than, they, than um, people. And the ability to use a robot in that dangerous task opens up the aperture. There's a lot of dirty and dangerous jobs. And so that's really where we're focused. Okay. And then are you a small or a large player? Or, or where are you in the competitive landscape? That's a great question. Um, we recently uh, did an acquisition of a, a company called RE Squared out of Pittsburgh, and really like-minded. They had um, almost the exact same mission, uh, very similar products. Um, the combination of our two companies, um, we're a little over 270 people strong, and that's our, that's our secret sauce. Um, we have hundreds of years of uh, robotics experience, many of our PhDs, are folks that were the first to, to get their PhD in robotics or controls from places like Carnegie Mellon and Ohio State, um, University of Utah. So the, the team has really been leading and pioneering in the robotics industry for decades. And it's that knowledge and that skill set that's really enabled us to be one of the only providers of robotic systems in unstructured environments. You see a lot of robots on the factory floor or in, you know, uh, um, uh, in logistics where you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Where we shine is in a construction site, at a port, on a tarmac. And those change and look different every single day. Okay. And so where are you in this process? Is your product line fleshed out or are you still in development? Great question. So we're actually, um, you know, robotics is, is what I call a team sport. It requires every single type of engineering discipline that there is. So it's complex and it's hard. It's a long product development cycle. But we're at that end of the development cycle. So we're currently in field trials with several customers. Uh, we just completed a field trial with Chani, an airport um, in Singapore, one of the largest airports, one of the most advanced airports, really focused on figuring out what the tarmac of the future looks like, but around baggage handling. So it rains every day in Singapore. That's a big pain point. Making sure they can keep planes in the air and taking off um, is part of what we're really focused on with them. So we're at that at the end of the product development cycle where we're getting customer feedback, we're integrating that in, and we're currently in commercial production of our um, Sapient 6M product. Okay. Any other use cases that, that show your benefits? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, from for my point, as I started, the, we started our conversation, I have um, the, the best job in the world because every day I get to see robots come to life and solve real problems. So um, we're, we're we, lots of jobs to be done, but we're laser focused on the tarmac of the future. And so that's anything on the tarmac that keeps um, planes in the air. So if you think about, a, you know, I'm sure you've had to wait for a plane during a lightning storm because humans can't go on the tarmac, but a robot can. And there's three tasks that need to occur. You need to you know, pull the water out, pull the, the front piece off, and one other task. There's no reason why a, a, a Sarkos robot, robot can't perform those tasks. Another area is on ship and, and um, um, boat repair. Again, highly caustic jobs, highly dangerous jobs. Anything at height, so anything that's you know, five feet off the ground, 
why put a person in a basket when you can have a robot go in a basket instead? Okay. And then is this all know-how, or do you have some important IP around it? Uh, we have some very important IP. So we have over 200 um, patents, uh, and we have several provisional patents that are focused on some of our growth areas. Um, and you know, for us, a lot of the work that we've done is creating that human-like dexterity, the ability to know from afar if, you know, if you're drilling on something, you need to know, you need to have that force feedback, right? You need to know how hard to continue to push. Otherwise, you'll blow through whatever thing you're drilling into. Um, so we've got a lot of IP around how robotics really are the kinematic equivalent of a human. Um, and so that actually is our secret sauce. Okay. And then so what are the low, low-hanging fruit end markets that you're targeting? Work at Height is, um, you know, really the product that we are commercializing right now. It's available for, uh, for sale. So again, that's anything in a construction site, repair site, nuclear remediation, anything where you would currently put a human at the end of a boom or up in, in, in the air. So any type of Work at Height jobs. So that's, I'd say, you know, priority. What we call Horizon One products. So those are the ones that are, you know, TRL ready to go and um, ready for market and consumption. And then our C-class product, so that's going under C, so it's the same high, high dexterity. We have a great partner there in VideoRay, um, and we, we provide the manipulation and the arms that go along with that. And then we've got our Guardian XT, which is a dual-armed human equivalent with higher dexterity for jobs um, such as mining, um, where you actually need a little more perception and a little more uh, human-like dexterity. Uh, so those, those are the products that are, that are uh, ready to go. Okay, and do you have any reference customers yet, or what customers are you targeting? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we just uh, finished field trials with Chinese Airport. Um, we've got a great partnership um, in Delta Airlines, so we're you know, testing with them. And we've got several other Lighthouse customers in specific, specific markets. Um, the other area we're really starting to grow is in the solar and um, solar fields. We kicked off a project 2018, um, with some of the largest EPCs in the Department of Energy, so Mortensen and others, uh, we're currently doing field trials in that space with them as well. And, and how are you reaching your, your customer? What marketing channel? Great question. Um, so right now, we just expanded um, our sales team, our BD and sales team. We doubled it in size. Uh, so it's a lot of customer out, just outreach. We're also relying on those Lighthouse par partners. So we do have what we call a, a steering committee um, that, that comes in and really helps us around ergonomics. Um, and that group includes folks like Delta, folks like BMW, and, and, and many others. Um, and they really help guide the, the product design and development. Okay. And are you making these yourself, or is it outsourced? Great question. So in both facilities, so we have a location in Pittsburgh. Um, our team is split almost 50-50 between the two locations. We have manufacturing capabilities in both. So um, right now we are manufacturing all products in, in Salt Lake City and in Pittsburgh. Okay. And, and so capacity, um, how much can you produce out of all this? Yeah, depending upon the mix, we're between three and 500 units. We did go through a very extensive RFP process, um, which includes identifying um, a, a good contract manufacturing partner that, that, has, that, that process has started. Um, and we started to do best practice and, and you know, really sharing around September timeframe. And so are the robots being sold out of inventory or are they going to be custom? 
And it'll be a mix of both, um, depending upon what the, the end use case is and if there's custom and de facto work that needs to be done. Um, but right now, you know, we're currently building inventory for orders um, with our, our Sapient 6M product and the XD product. They're commercializing this year. Okay. Now, I read something about decarbonization. Can you give us some color on that? Oh, you bet. So one of the, the main areas, as I mentioned, the, the OF, there we have abbreviations for everything um, project that we started with, started with the Department of Energy. The focus there is the ability to actually um, build a solar field leveraging robots. Today, that's a, it's a, it's an unhospitable place. It takes a lot of people to build a solar field. Um, and so what we're doing is building a robotic system that allows for robotic um, construction of solar fields. So our products are all electric. So that's been a big part of our product journey is, you know, we started off on, with a hydraulic product. Going up to an all-electric product has been a big focus over the last three to four years. Um, and then we're, with our partners, we're working to have each of those systems also be electric. So our, our goal is really to be the workforce of the future for the, the construction of solar fields. Okay. And are you targeting just the U.S.? Uh, no, we, 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 we're, we are looking globally. Um, I, I'd say for us right now, um, a lot of our programs and projects are here, but we have a great partner um, in Singapore with a tiny airport, and then we also have partners in Australia. Okay, so I know you have different products, but roughly what, what's an average selling price of a, of a robot? It really depends on, um, you know, we've got some, some products that um, are in market right now. So we've shipped over 650 products. Um, so, you know, I would say, again, selling the full system, we're, we're in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. And then so what's the revenue model and uh, your expected gross margin? Yeah, so revenue model, and again, we have an updated guidance, so a lot of the information I'm sharing with you is the same information that we shared in our, our last earnings call. Sure. Um, we, what we, we have seen is a, a pivot, and, and as the, the supply um, and people shortages continue to increase, thanks to COVID and a lot of other reasons, um, people's willingness to pay has also increased. Uh, we originally uh, had been looking at a robot as a service model to basically provide that same type of cost as a human. We were getting a lot more requests for our direct sale model. Uh, people have the capital. Um, human, resources, human resources are just too hard to find. Um, even after we have one partner who you know, they doubled pay, did you know, a whole bunch of other great things on the benefit side, and they still are having a hard time keeping people for more than six months. Uh, and people just aren't showing up. So um, with that, we're, we, we uh, have really leaned into a direct sales model um, in part because of the feedback and customer requests uh, and gross margins. Again, um, first products out uh, will be less than the, the target gross margin, but we're looking between 25 and 35% gross margin. Okay. Software, you mentioned, the software oh, as a service ahead, is much higher. Gotcha. No, no, the software as a service obviously is much higher. Okay, so the mix going forward, you expect to be more outright sale? Yes, mm -hmm. direct okay. sale. Okay. And then um, you, you mentioned you made an acquisition. You know, How did that benefit you, and should we see more of those? Yeah, good question. It, for, for us, um, it was we basically doubled the size of our engineering team, and that was one of our um, – really, you know, our ability to scale and transform from a 
R&D company to a production company was hindered on our ability to hire high-quality engineers. We had had some open roles in things like autonomy and perception. Very hard to find people with PhDs. Um, by combining our two businesses, we basically filled a lot of those leadership roles. They had had some open roles um, on the control side. We had a whole, whole control team. Uh, they didn't have any VNV or testing. We had a whole VNV test team. So really, it was great. It was synergistic from the standpoint of um, our teams really filled out those gaps within each other's organizations, and we were able to really bring forward the roadmaps together. Um, and that, to me, is probably the, the biggest, the biggest synergy. Our commitment with the acquisition was not to increase our burn rate, so we were able to stay laser focused on managing our cash. Um, and keeping the same burn rate. Um, we've actually been able to reduce that, and we've got some additional synergies and things that we're looking at as well. Okay. And then um, in terms of challenges, what, what's your biggest challenge? Is the market ready for, for you? Is it an educational one or, or what? You know, you know I've spent a, a, a lifetime almost, it seems, uh, in the industrial uh, space, and I, I would say that the hardest thing is always taking heavy industrial industries and getting them to change their standard operating procedure, right? You've got, a fact, you've got people who've done construction the same way for the last 30 years. COVID's put that on its head. So, um, and, and now we're starting to see folks really say, the only way I'm going to be able to stay in business is if I figure out how to augment my workforce. How do I find a new way to do this same task that I used to do? Um, so I, I think that COVID's really opened up the aperture. So if you think about the unions, you know, they're, they're typically, hey, robots are going to displace people. We're not displacing people. What we're doing is we're extending the life of a person's ability to work because now they can work for longer because we're protecting them from the damage of whatever that job is. Um, we're allowing people who maybe physically were challenged and wouldn't be able to do that job, they can now do that. So they're getting access to a much broader workforce. Um, you've got people who with disabilities that cannot do things because it's a teleoperative robot performing the task at height. So we've basically opened up the aperture um, for folks. And I'd say, too, most of the industries, whether it's shipbuilding or construction um, or tarmac uh, employees, uh, they really struggle getting younger folks to think, oh, I want to go be a machinist or I want to go do this skilled labor job. But if you're a robot operator, right, and you're using tools like you do when you play a video game, and you're doing that all day, it also increases the aptitude for younger people to get excited about those roles. So there's also a huge opportunity to retrain people and reskill people, um, and that's super attractive for a lot of folks. So other than COVID, what are some of the key drivers? Is, is there some end use where it's a major pain point and you really solve the issue, or, or, or what are some of the drivers for you right now? Yeah, labor shortage is a driver. Obviously, um, the jobs that we're looking at are dirty and dangerous, so people die every year. You've got insurance and costs and just people's well-being. Um, I also think for us, too, robotics is like any other industry where we've been able to ride the curve, the technology curve, and so costs have come down. You've got the ability to build a robot now that makes it a viable product with a positive ROI for customers, and that wasn't always true, right? You rewind 10 years, yes, we can build something, but it's going to cost a million dollars. Now you fast forward, 
it's at a price point that has a positive return on investment for the folks that are looking to include robotics into the unstructured environment workplace. Okay. And in terms of building the robotics, any supply chain issues? Definitely. I mean, we're not uh, we're not alone. We're not we're we're also not huge. Um, so you know, we've got some parts right now that are at 54 weeks. We've tried to really protect against that with pre-buying and going to COTS and, and standardizing across our full portfolio. So if you think about our full range of robots, um, we're really trying to make sure we're using the same batteries, that we, you know, we've got the right partners when it comes to all the links um, and the components that go inside. But definitely that's had a big impact. We've had to prioritize. So you know, we haven't been able to get enough parts for all of the robots. So we've been doubling down on the Sapient 6M and the Guardian XT, uh, in part because that's the one that has the biggest market pool, but we just don't have enough um, capacity and enough components to be able to really round out the full roadmap. So no we're, not, we're not unique in that regard. So are you more chasing sales or chasing manufacturing at this stage? Um, I'd say we're, we're really chasing that transition from R&D to, to product commercialization, making sure that we've got all of the, um, we, you know, brought on experts over a year ago in supply chain and, and manufacturing, but that's all we do is help businesses scale from Slumberger and, and Boeing. So we've got a, a new leadership team that really knows how to go through this process um, that are experts in bringing product to market. Um, and it, I'd say that we're chasing that transition. Um, uh, and it, to me, that's a, also a cultural transition. A, a really good R&D engineer is not a really good designed for manufacturing engineers, so we've had to also, I'd say, um, transition our workforce uh, accordingly as well. Okay. So as we monitor the company, do you have any upcoming events or milestones that we should look for? Uh, well, yeah. At the end of the year, I mean, our, our big uh, our OKRs for this year were um, hitting some very, very aggressive uh, field and uh, customer demonstrations. Those are happening this week. Last week, you'll start to see some news there. Um, and really, really good mar uh, momentum in Q1. So uh, we, we have, we've already got robots in inventory and in crates, and so now you're, it's just a matter of um, starting to, to get those into the market. So uh, are there videos on, on the site so people can get a better idea of what uh, your robots look like? A hundred percent. So Sarkos.com has a, a lot of different uh, videos that will really explain what we do. Um, and you know, uh, the, what, and I think the hard part for us is people have a, a vision and a view of what robots are, and they typically are in a factory or in a logistics. And we're outside. Um, you'll see pictures of our products, you know, in a uh, in a port on the side of a ship, um, underwater. We're we're out and about just like humans are. Um, and those videos are on Starquest.com. So uh, please take a look. Okay. So, so Kiva, what haven't I asked you that you wish I asked you? Oh, it's a great question. You know, I, I think um, the, the one question I, I think that's super important um, is, you know, what's the Sarcos today? How are we different than perhaps um, the Sarcos has been around, you know, for 30 years? And, and, you know, we have really come full circle with the acquisition of uh, RE Squared. Um, so we, we, we are a different company today, a much broader portfolio really good depth and breadth, but we're built on a foundation of a really strong IP. So everything that we did with the Guardian XO, you're finding that in the rest of our products. So we've really been able, over the last year, figure out what our core strength is to become a commercial company. 
Very good. And so before we go, what would you like us to what what would you like to leave us with in terms of investors uh thinking this is an attractive place to put money? Yeah, I mean I I I would love for investors to know that, you know, we're in an industry that is prime for expansion. Um it is an industry that has a very large TAM. Um any job that a human does today at height that is dirty or dangerous, our products are the workforce of the future in those industries. And um, it's, not some, it's not one day, it is today. Our products can execute and deliver that value for companies right now. So I think a lot of times people think about robots and you've got other famous people talking about the next humanoid which might happen in 10 years or so. Um, but we have products available for sale today. We are a product company. Um, we're not going through that transition anymore. Uh, we, we, are, we are there. Very good. Well, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing the Sarcos tech and uh, robotics story. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.